Hello and welcome back. I'm your host Elsie Brown and today let's talk about books. More specifically, we'll be looking at the whole process that goes into making a successful book, from the initial idea and actually writing the book, to publishing, marketing and prizes. How can you get over writer's block? What's happening to the literary industry and what role does the internet play in effective marketing? Now more than ever, people are writing books, which means more books are being produced, meaning that the market is more competitive, which means that success in the literature industry is really difficult because it's harder to stand out. But don't be disheartened. J.K. Rowling's pitch for Harry Potter was rejected 12 times before it was eventually published. Now, according to MPD Scans, the Harry Potter series' total sales has exceeded 55 million copies across more than 300 editions of her many titles for children and adults, which makes Rowling the most successful author in the world. But how could you become a best-selling author? Well, the first step is pretty obvious. Write a book! Now, I can't give you a best-selling idea, but I do know that, like any other skill, writing takes practice. So maybe start by writing every day. Some days you'll be more inspired than others, but that's okay. It's all about practice. If you're stuck with what to write about, Maria Konnikova has some tips in an article she wrote for The New Yorker about writer's block. She talks about two Yale University psychologists in the 1970s and 80s who studied the progress of writers, Jerome Singer and Michael Barrios. The writers in the study who experienced writer's block lacked motivation and self-confidence. Singer and Barrios proposed a simple intervention that I suggest you try if you're stuck for ideas. Sit in a dim, quiet room and essentially daydream. If you already have an idea for your book, start by thinking about things that are completely unrelated. Perhaps try visualising a piece of music or your favourite place in nature. Consider your senses, not just what you can see, but what you can hear, smell, touch. Speak aloud to yourself, get comfortable with describing the scene in your head, and try to let go of finding the perfect words. That's what editing is for. This is all about transforming an image in your head into words. Eventually, one of these daydream scenes might spark the starting of your book. Or, if you already had an idea of what you want to write about, after the first exercise, you can begin to visualise scenes from your plot. Another technique to get over writer's block is outlined in Margaret Atwood's online creative writing masterclass. She encourages new writers to study what makes a strong plot by reading myths, fairy tales and other historical works of literature. After all, there are reasons why everyone knows the stories of Little Red Riding Hood and Jack and the Beanstalk. Use these classic tales to inspire your own writing. By this point, you might have an idea, but consider the crux of your book. What do you want the reader to take away with them after reading your book? Working this out early on in the writing process can help to focus your writing. Now comes genre, narrative point of view, characters, detail. Even in non-fiction, the most compelling books have an engaging narrative voice. Emily Dean's Everybody Died So I Got a Dog is an autobiography that is carried by her sense of voice. Actions and reactions reveal characters, but subtlety is key. Show, don't tell. Demonstrate why characters are the way they are without explicitly saying it. Think about your character's history and everything that's brought them up to this moment. Use this to embellish your story and develop your characters. Ultimately, who do you want your reader to love and who do you want them to hate? You can have characters who do seemingly bad things but are still likeable. Look at Professor Snape in Harry Potter or Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. Right. So let's jump forward. Imagine you've had your unique idea. 
planned everything out, spent hours writing, edited to your heart's content, and so on. You get the gist. You've completed all the steps, you've finished your book, and you're happy with it. Time to publish. Now, to give you a bit of history as well as the current state of the world of publishing, I turn to an essay by Claire Squires called Publishing Context and Marketing Conditions. Basically, Squires says that publishing houses used to be mid-sized family-run businesses, but now a lot of these companies have been, or are in the process of being, transformed into multinational businesses, with many once independent publishers being incorporated into conglomerates. Essentially, big, rich companies are coming in and taking over, or pushing out, the smaller, less successful publishers. From the perspective of an author, to help you from losing the rights to your book and to stop big powerful publishers from exploiting you and your books for everything you're worth, you should employ a literary agent. Now, a literary agent can dish out the rights to the book so the author has more control over, for example, which production company you want to turn your book into a film. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Remember the beginning of this podcast when I said that the book market is extremely competitive? Well, Claire Squires explains that this also means that the shelf life of books is increasingly short. Therefore, marketing is crucial. Right, so Squires says that due to the increased production of books, the book market has become increasingly stratified, meaning that resources and sales are heavily concentrated. This means that what she coins literary celebrity, which refers to the books which have the most visibility, is highly important in regards to which books do the best. One marketing strategy that Squire suggests to increase the visibility of the book is through the remodelling of the author as a content creator, or in other words, a social media influencer. An author who has done this extremely well is Florence Gibbon. Starting out as a feminist artist selling slogan tees and tote bags on Instagram, she started gaining a huge following, after which she went on to be named Cosmopolitan's Influencer of the Year for 2019, designed tour merchandise for Rita Ora, and wrote a book called Women Don't Owe You Pretty, which is now a Sunday Times bestseller. It can be said, however, that as well as her bold and empowering feminist statements, it is her illustrations and choice of colour that make her book especially Instagrammable. Now, I know the saying goes that you should never judge a book by its cover, but that's rubbish. A book's front cover is its first impression, so you want it to be good. Given's book, Women Don't Know You Pretty, fits her whole style. 70s, loud, slightly garish, but irrefutably cool. Her illustrations fit the same brand and make great shareable content on social media. The internet is a catalyst for publicity. Nowadays, having an internet presence is almost a mandatory part in the success of books. This is how they become popular by word of mouth in the digital age. When making your book, you want to create something that sparks thought, gets people talking and crucially sharing your book. If you want to become an author stroke content creator, then brand aesthetic is definitely something to consider. Another author who has utilised the internet to gain success is Rupi Kaur. She uses Instagram and Tumblr to make her poetry accessible to the masses. Like Florence Given, Kaur's confessional poetry also has a distinctive aesthetic. Her poems are typically short, never use capital letters and only use full stops to punctuate her lines. She also uses visual art in the form of her own line drawings to accompany her poems. 
After gaining a huge cult following on social media, Rupi Kaur was able to self-publish her anthology, Milk and Honey, which became a New York Times bestseller and has been published in over 30 languages. She has since won the Goodreads Choice Award Best Poetry, published two more books and has a total of over 4.3 million Instagram followers. Another way to measure success in the literature industry is through prizes and accolades. You may have noticed that every author I've mentioned so far has received some kind of award or honour. But there are so many kinds of prizes, with over 250 and rising to win. However, are prizes crucial to success? Beth Driscoll would argue yes. In her essay titled Twitter, Literary Prizes and the Circulation of Capital, she says that prizes possess media power. Driscoll explains that, due to the narrative framework of the whole process of prizes, from entries to shortlist to the winner, the process is easily translatable into news stories. The competitive nature also adds to the narrative as texts get shunned and praised by the media across the world. Driscoll says that the media power of prizes is an asset, a form of meta-capital. Writers of literary awards can use media meta-capital to convert their symbolic capital as writers into economic capital, being increased sales, speaking opportunities and licensing deals. Essentially, Driscoll is saying that prizes are another way to gain visibility, which, in turn, produces more sales. So what is the relationship between prizes and social media? Driscoll also has the answer to this one. She calls Twitter a network of recognition and relationship. She says that when people or organisations associate themselves with a prize on Twitter, they mobilise its cultural authority, media status and economic power. This means that when a book wins a prize and writers tweet about it, the author's followers interact by liking and, crucially, retweeting. The book will gain more visibility as the author's followers' followers will see the retweet and potentially engage with the content. This is what Driscoll means when she talks about Twitter's cultural authority and economic power. If the author has enough of a cult following, or is followed by people with cult followings who retweet their stuff, Twitter can be free promotion. You can also pay for promotion with sponsored tweets and ads on Twitter if you want to increase your following. Marketing your book well is the best way to influence people to buy your book. And if you can't find a publishing house to publish your book, if you have a cult following, you might be able to self-publish a book like Rupi Kaur because you'll have guaranteed buyers. Another form of social media that is often forgotten about but is so essential in the world of books are reviewing sites like Goodreads. Also, Amazon reviews, newspaper reviews, reviews from bookshops. Essentially, don't underestimate the power of reviews. Goodreads, the largest social network site for readers, offers all the conventions of social networking. Lisa Nakamura says that Goodreads makes reading promiscuous, networked and above all social. She says that those who can't leverage social networks are likely to fail. But remember, fame on the internet is temporary and short-lasting. If your book is good, it will gain positive views and this will continue sales. So, just to quickly remind you of all the steps to success, get an idea. Write the book, get a literary agent, get published, market to your heart's content, and hope people like it. And with that, we're at the end of the episode. Next week, we'll be diving into a discussion about poetry on social media, looking at what makes something a poem, and how you can start your own poetry Instagram. So until we talk again, all the best. Goodbye.